Welcome to Conversations with Joel. Joel's guest today was the undefeated light heavyweight boxing champion of the world, and he's been inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame, Andre Ward. Here's Joel Osteen. I'm so blessed today to have a, a new friend, somebody you probably have heard of, Mr. Andre Ward. He's an undefeated light heavyweight boxing champion of the world for many, many years, Olympic gold medalist. Andre, you got your resume is so long. It's, it's amazing. But uh, congratulations and welcome to the podcast. Man, I appreciate it. It's an honor and a privilege. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to hear about uh, a little bit about your how you got going because I was reading your book. Andre's got a new book out called Killing the Image. Really fantastic. But Andre, take me back um, how you grew up. Let's go back to how, you, how it got started. You know, it's interesting. My, you know, I grew up as a, uh, my, my father raised me as a single parent in the East Bay, in the Bay Area, California. And, um, you know, it wasn't the worst childhood, but there were, there were things going on. You know, my mother, unfortunately, she had a, a crack addiction early on, so she wasn't present. Wow. My father, he was a functional addict and, and he had a heroin addiction, but he was there. You know, he's going to work every day. He owned his own company. And I was a young man that even though my dad struggled, you know, he gave me my introduction into the faith. You know, we, yeah. my dad would, you know, read Bible scriptures and he would help me understand the word. And, you know, when I started to kind of get a name for myself locally and the newspaper started showing up in the local news stations, you know, he'd always say, man, make sure you give God the glory. Make sure you give God the wow. glory. And I was a little nervous at that time, but my dad was at that time, even though he was struggling, planting seeds for me that, that, that are blossoming to this day. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And, um, um, you know, I learned a lot through my childhood, uh, struggled through some of it as you read the book, killing the image through my, through my teenage years. Uh, trying to break generational curses, things that I didn't even understand was going on. Yeah. And it took me some time getting connected to my local church to understand that, wow, these 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 spirits of addiction and these generational things, they they pass through the generations and that's what you're dealing with. Yeah. So once I started to get an understanding of that, plus the seeds that my dad had sown at an early age, I, I began to find God for myself uh, as I was growing up as a young man. Yeah, that's amazing, Andre. I love that because it, it's interesting what you said, like your dad was a good man and he's just struggling with some things. I mean, when you say heroin, some of that stuff, but, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, I, and what, what I'm thinking is, you know, it's, it's easy to judge people, but you don't know what they're going through. And yet, yet I love your attitude because he gave you, you found the good in it and what your dad gave you. And like you said, those seeds are blossoming in you today and especially today what you're doing helping so many people but i think that to me it just helps helps give us hope because somebody could say well i wasn't raised in a good environment or i got this but you know what you know god, god knew what you were going to need and if you can take the good out of it like you did uh i don't know that's that's pretty powerful i just think it was you know god helping me get to a place where once I gave my life to him, was truly committed, you know, right around, you know, 19, 20 years old, you know, I rededicated my life to him and I started walking through my process of, of getting to know him more and uh, being delivered from some of the things that had taken, uh, taken a hold of me. I started to see my mom and my dad's situation a little bit different. I started to look at it with eyes of empathy. Yeah. You know, I was able to forgive them. And that's why the book's called Faith Fighting and Forgiveness. I yeah. forgave myself for my foolishness and my, my period I call of you know, rebellion. Yeah. Um, and then I began to, 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 to take inventory of the other ones in my life that I had to forgive. And it's such a liberating thing because it doesn't excuse the behavior when you forgive someone, but it certainly releases you. Yeah. It allows you to be released. You release that person. And 
it allows you to have a balanced perspective about what happened. Listen, I wasn't happy. You know, we, they shouldn't have did this, but man, I'm grateful they were here for this amount of time. I'm grateful for what they did give me. And that also allows them to heal as well. So um, just a powerful, powerful lesson that I've learned, the power of forgiveness. It's a day-to-day thing we all got to walk yeah. through. We need forgiveness. We're making mistakes past, currently, and we'll make mistakes in the future. We need forgiveness and we just don't want to be inlets of it. We also want to be conduits of forgiveness as well. Yeah, that's so good. Andre Ward is my guest. He's a world champion boxer and he's got a book called Killing the Image. Really fantastic. Andre, tell me about, I read in the book about that experience when you were 18 and you were, you know, you thought you were going to pass. That's a really compelling piece of the book, yeah. but you got to tell us that. Yeah. You know, I was living in uh, uh, Oakland, man, a really, really, really tough neighborhood at that time. I was running from God. I mean, literally running from, you know, my sister, Tasha, she was chasing me down. Every time I'd see her, I'd be hiding because I knew she'd start preaching at me. God, <laughs> God's got a plan for your life. What yeah, are you doing? Yeah. You know, my godfather and trainer, Virgil Hunter, who's who's heavily throughout the book, he would always say things to me. And he, had, he was very prophetic because, you know, at, the, at my worst point, you know, he'd say things and he'd kind of chuckle. He'd say, listen, son, God's got his hand on you and you're not going to get away with much. Yeah. And I would really get upset about that. Like, why are you saying that? You yeah. know? And he was right. So I found myself selling drugs right now. Now, just look at how how seared my conscience was at that time. Yeah. I have a mother who's several blocks away struggling with addiction. And I'm praying, God, take the drugs from my mother. Yeah. But yet I'm selling drugs in my community. And I wasn't some big drug dealer or anything like that. But I was dibbling and dabbling and things were getting worse. And Virgil was right. I never seemed to get too far off the wrong path before God would send correction. And the correction in the, at this moment was the police getting behind me. I was, and I was on a bike, mind you. Okay. They stopped it. They, they turned their bright lights on and stopped me, spoke over the loudspeaker. And I had drugs in my mouth. I was selling them and I didn't want to have them in my pocket because if you get caught, you know, it's a, it's a lot of time you got to do so. I, I was able to sort of conceal it when I talked to the police officer. The police officer leaves and I swallowed the bag of drugs mm. in, in a panic. Wow. I race home on my bike. I tell my mother what happened. Man, Joe, it was just another moment where, where I could feel God closing me in. Yeah. God saying, listen, I've got a claim on your life and this is going to be my way or my way. It's not going to be your way. Wow. The, the, you, you weren't raised to do the things you're doing. That's not what I have for you. And I just never felt fully comfortable out there in the world, in the streets. And, and every time I got too far, God would send a correction. And that was another correction. Wow. And then one time you passed out, you thought you were going to die. That's yeah. Just... Oh, so that's the, yeah, that's the, that's it. That's in the, uh, the, the beginning of the book. Yeah. Um, again, another situation where, you know, I had, you know, I'm in the streets and I'm just, uh, just drugs and alcohol experimenting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm laying there on a bed, Joel, and I, you know, I just feel my heart racing. Yeah. And it's interesting because. I can be tough until I hit that that moment. And then all of yeah. a sudden, when I get into that bind, I know where to look up. I yeah. know that I got to look up yeah. and have a conversation with God. And, you know, I told him, I said, if you let me live, I'll never go back. And I'm grateful that I never did. You know, he spared me that night. I didn't have an overdose. I didn't, you know, have a crazy reaction or anything like that. But that moment, that was 25 years ago. Wow. And that moment has always stuck with me. And people often say, oh, wow, you're so humble. And, you know, that's like, when you know that God has spared you, when you know that God yeah. has been merciful and you know you really shouldn't be here doing what you're doing, 
it's hard to be lifted up in, in that space. Yeah, that's so good. Andre Ward's my guest. Andre, um, I love that that you had a sister that was just, you know, praying for you and coming after you because we we, oh, we all need somebody like that or we all need to be that for somebody, you know, because, you know, who, who knows where you'd be if you didn't have her co- right. praying and all that. That's That's awesome. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, we laugh about it to this day because, you know, my sister, she's uh, she was aggressive with it, you know, because she's just uh, she she loves God, man. And, and she knew what was happening. And she also is a very prophetic person. So she's, you know, man, I, just, I see this happening and I see this could happen. And I'm like, sis, I hear you. I'm not ready. But she never gave up on me. Mm-hmm. And um, she she eventually wore me down that along with the other people that were speaking into my life at that time. That's so good. Andre, let's fast forward a little bit or, uh, you know, let's get into your boxing career. How'd, how'd you choose boxing? It's pretty simple. You know, I, I was, again, I was raised as a single parent. My dad raised me as a, as a single father and, you know, baseball was my first love. I was a pitcher and a shortstop. And then my dad just started telling me stories about his boxing career. And at that time, growing up in San Bruno, California at Crestmore High School, they had a boxing team. And, you know, he told me about, you know, being undefeated. And I was like, whoa, I said, you boxed. He was like, yeah. And I was like, I don't want to play baseball anymore. I want to box. And my dad was like, whoa, 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 calm down. This is serious. You know, it's not a game. It's not like a team sport. So I kept pestering him and ultimately wore him down. And we went to the gym. And though I wasn't very good initially, I fell in love with it. The beginning of everything, the origin was just wanting to be like my dad. And then I started to, because I was a competitive kid and didn't mind working hard, I started to win locally. And then I started to win nationally. And then I started to get a bit of a name for myself. And then next thing you know, I'm 10 years old and I'm the number one hundred pound fighter in the country. Wow. And it it just, it just went from there. And, um, I'm grateful because, you know, boxing taught me obviously a lot of physical discipline. Um, but, but I wouldn't want to be in a sport like boxing without God, you know, and I tried to, um, you know, be an example, be a light throughout my career. And I wasn't a guy that's, you know, in your face. You need to give your life to God. Like I'm trying to live the gospel. Right. And hopefully you see something about my life that's different. And then when I have an opportunity to speak, now we can have a conversation. And that that's what I've tried to do throughout the course of my career. Yeah, that's so awesome. And then you you won the gold medal too in 2004, right? 2004, Athens, Greece. What was that like? So this is a time where, you know, right around 2002, um, I had that moment, that scare where I thought I was going to die. And that was sort of the last straw. And, you know, I slowly started to turn back to God because my father died in 2001. Oh, wow. And again, this is all throughout the book. This is a man who was my mother, my father, he was my everything. So I was already kind of messing up a little bit. And that was the excuse to sort of go full steam ahead. And simply put, I was angry at God. I wasn't communicating with him. I needed answers. And Unfortunately, I didn't run to him. I ran away from him. And that moment right there, and God sparing me, softened my heart, if you will, and caused me to sort of turn back to him and begin to communicate. And God just began to take the taste for alcohol and running the streets, began to really bring me back to my right mind and to who, the way I was truly raised. Yeah. And it was right in time to start to qualify for the Olympics again and get back in the gym and start to gain my love back for boxing. So I got on that Olympic team. I mean, by, by a hair, like I, I just started qualifying for each step in each tournament. And the next thing, you know, I'm a year and a half away from, you know, being almost overdosing. Um, and I'm, I'm on the podium, you know, representing my country. Wow. Uh, just unbelievable. And just a powerful experience. Um, you know, I was a very undersized light heavyweight. 
Um, I grew a lot of str- a, a lot of strength from you know the story of David and Goliath, and we hear a lot about that. But I mean, I was pulling nuggets from that story. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, man, that's me. Man, they they're looking at me like this, and and I just I really that was a, a time when I really grew in my faith. Like it's one thing to have faith when there's no challenges. Yeah. But when you're faced with real life challenges and you really have to dig deep, and God delivers you and brings brings you out of that, it takes you to another level. So I not only gained a gold medal, but I gained a lot of faith during those Olympics as well. Wow, wow that's that's phenomenal. And Andre, did your mom come through her uh, addiction and all? Is, did she get to see your success? And what, what? she did. She did. My my mother, man. Um, my mother is a, a grandmother now, man. Oh, She's good. Going, my mother beats me to the church. She's serving in the cafe and, you know, she's, she's, she's there every Sunday. And, um, you know, I remember when, when our church, the well Christian community out here in the Bay area, we moved to a new building and our pastor, Napoleon Coffin, he said, listen, if there's anybody you're praying for that you want to see them saved, come write their name on the, on the ground and on the walls before we paint and before we put every, lay everything down. I love that. So I put my mother's name down and I have been praying for her for years and she'd be doing good. Then she'd backslide. And man, God was faithful. This woman is at that church. Uh, she's serving in several ministries. I mean, I got to slow her down and say, mom, you can only do three ministries, right? You can't do it. You can't do anything else. <laughs> uh, and and man, everything that she wasn't able to be for me, she's that to my children. Wow. So God is faithful, man. She's the, doing good. Isn't that the goodness of God, you know? Just yes. God knows how to restore beauty for ashes and all that. That I love your story. And and now you work there too. You you do some youth work, don't you? There's the church. Yeah. Yeah, me and my wife are ministers at the church. And um, we're also the youth pastors okay. at the church. And, you know, I, I, I would call myself an evangelist. You know, yeah. I, I know I've known for many years that God has had a call on my life to preach the gospel. Um, but I'm grateful for my pastor because you know, Napoleon Coffin, he used to, you know, play for the Oakland Raiders and uh, he played for six years and he retired and went into full-time ministry and he hasn't looked back since. And he was able to help me say, listen, Dre, God's got a call on your life, but take your time. You know, there's a lot of people out there that'll pull on you for your gift and you want to just pray through these things and, and, and just make sure you're moving forward at God's time. And so that's all I've been trying to do throughout the years. And I take opportunities prayerfully, but I go around the country and I preach and then also serve my local church uh, here in the Bay Area as well. That's so awesome. Hey, Andre, tell me about your, I love the name of your book. Maybe we can talk about that, Killing the Image. That, that, that's a great yeah. name. Tell, tell me what it came from. What does it mean? It actually came from my pastor. You know, I was uh, sort of, you know, struggling a little bit with, you know, mentoring some of the young guys in, in the sport of boxing. And I'm telling them, I'm like, man, these guys don't understand that, like, I've been through what they've been through and I've overcome a lot. And he's like, but Dre, they don't know that. He said, you got to kill the image. Mm. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He was like, no, who you are is real, but it's not who you've always been. Mm. It's okay to tell that story. Now, yeah. what I, what I realized when he said that was there is this image of me and it's real. Like there's nothing pretentious or fake about me, but I wasn't open and I didn't share my experiences with these guys. So they're seeing a sort of a polished Andre yeah. and they're like, well, you don't understand. And they didn't hear the other side. Yeah. So just by writing this book, it's sort of breaking down those walls and and sort of letting the world know that this is my testimony. Um, I have no shame in it. I've made mistakes. I've overcome things. God has been good. And it's sort of a play on words, man. So I thought it was a powerful, powerful, provocative uh, uh, title. And um, this was a necessary thing I had to do. It was very therapeutic. And, and it's amazing, too, how even though 
some of those things that are in the book are, are, are many, many years, you know, in the rearview mirror, there's still remnants of shame sometimes when wow. you look and say, man, I was tripping and what was I doing? And God has actually opened your eyes to let you see how, how bad you really were. Yeah. And I've been able to even overcome that. If there's any residue of shame, really just walk in my freedom and just, you know, by just telling this story and just reminding myself that, listen, man, you've come a long way yeah. and you can tell this story and tell it boldly and you have nothing to be ashamed about. Yeah, that's so that's so awesome. I love that, Andre. I, I talked yesterday at church about just, uh, you know, God told the Israelites, the children of the Israelites, the ones that didn't go into the promised land, he said, today I'm removing the reproach of Egypt. You know, it's easy to carry reproach and shame and guilt. Yeah. Or my, look what my family did or look what I did. But I love that. You're, you're, you're speaking to a lot of people too. And I wish you'd speak a little more about that people carrying this generational baggage. And, you know, it, I, again, that's yeah. what my message was yesterday, but it, I think it's so important. And you were just hitting it there at the beginning about, you know, there's things passed down that you had to deal with. It didn't start with yeah. you, but you know what? You have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. We have to deal with it. I think part of the the biggest uh, sort of stumbling block sometimes is just recognizing that this is a, a pattern. This is something yeah. that has been passed down, but, but God is faithful because, you know, Oftentimes we just have to draw near to him and ask him, you know, God revealed to me if there's some, some generational things that, uh, that are in my family, it could be, it could be generational curses of poverty yeah. where there's a poverty mentality on how we do our business and we don't do our, handle our business financially the right way. So we're not putting ourselves in a position where God can bless us with more. It could be that it could be, you know, generate, it could be the addiction thing. Like I spoke about, but somebody has to break the curse. Yeah. And as we begin to get knowledge about, okay, this is a thing. I notice I do this. We can begin to go to God and ask God, God, I want to get free from this. And I want to break this, this curse off of my pot, off of my, my, my lineage and off of my line. And he'll give us the wisdom to begin to do that. Now it is work, right? It's not just a prayer away. We're going to have to resist. We're going to have to, you know, do some work, but it's possible to do it. And then what we can do is we can begin to set the next generation behind us, our children and their children on a different path. Yeah. So important. Andre, ask, uh, let's talk a little bit too, again, some of these things you touched on earlier. I just wanted to draw out of you because you have great wisdom, but how about the forgiveness part? Cause you know, you talked about having to forgive some people. You have to forgive yourself. It's, um, you know, that can, that can be a tough thing, but uh, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. A couple of years ago, I, I, started reading a book uh, by John Brevere, The Bait of Satan. There, it's not a book. I, I look at it like a, like a yearly manual that, that, that I need to read, you know? And it's very powerful because, you know, the Greek word uh, for offense is scandalon. And a scandalon is, you know, in, in, in back in the days, they would hold like almost like a, a tombstone looking thing up and a stick would hold it up and there would be bait underneath that. And the animal would reach for whatever was there and the stick would fall and the big stone would fall on the animal and they, therefore they retract. When we allow offense to get into our hearts and we don't fight it the right way by forgiving, we're in that trap. We're in the scandal. And now we're trying to love out of that place. Now we're trying to parent out of that place. We're trying to be good sons and daughters. We're trying to lead a church out of that place. And when you get that revelation about how, man, I am trapped, that is bondage for me. And then also we realize that God is saying, hey, you need daily forgiveness. Yeah. I'm freely giving you a gift that you didn't deserve by way of my son and what he's done. I need you to freely forgive as well. Those two revelations for me sort of changed the game. Now, is it easy? 
No. Do do I do I want to fight for my rights sometimes? Do I want to be the Avenger sometimes? Absolutely. But I've I've sort of gotten into this practice of daily, Lord. I, I just release anybody who's done anything to me, said anything, made me feel even if they didn't mean to. I just want to release them, and I pray that you release them as well. Um, I'll give you one more example. The Book of Job is a good example of forgiveness as well. You got a man who was righteous and 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 blameless. This is what the Bible calls yeah. Job. Job begins to experience a bunch of hardships and troubles. And in that time, when that sort of thing happened, people assume that you sin. Yeah. So you have well-meaning friends of Job coming to him saying, Job, what did you do? You got to repent. What did you do? Your, your children have died. You've lost your livestock. Look at you. You got boils all over you. And as you fast forward through the story, as each friend had their say, the anger of the Lord burned against them because they didn't speak what was right. They were speaking amiss. Yeah. But the Bible says that, that Job prayed for his friends and Job didn't get healed until he prayed for his friends. So God spared his friends. And then Job was able to get healed from praying for his friends, standing in the gap for them. And that's just a powerful display for me because, um, things are going to happen, man. People are going to step on your toes and, you know, family members. And a lot of times, as you know, especially being in ministry and lead the church that you lead, stuff's going to happen. Sometimes the, the sheep bite, you know? <laughs> yeah. But we have the power by the grace of God to release people and forgive people. So we stay free out of the scandal line. We, we, we release them and then God's able to keep using us the way he wants to use us. Yeah. But we start to disqualify ourselves and we start to get polluted when we're unforgiving, we're holding bitterness. It's just not a way to live. Yeah, that's so good, Andre. I love that too, Andre. You said forgiving daily. That's that's that's, that's a great thing. Just not not letting it, not letting it build up. I like to say yeah. at the end end of every day or the start of every day, I, I let go of yesterday. I let go. Of who yeah. did me wrong? What somebody yeah. said? Who left me out? Just just don't let it build up, you know. And so. Yeah. Hey, let's switch gears a little bit. Tell me about boxing. You know, I've, I've played, you know, you played baseball. I played a lot, a lot of sports, but never boxed. But that, when I see boxing, that's, that's a rough sport. How did, how did you handle getting hit in the head like that? that, that you got to be so tough. Man, I, I, think, I think the first thing was, you know, I'm grateful for my dad and for, for Virgil, my trainer, because they were always, uh, uh, they had a philosophy of hitting and not getting hit. Now, of course, you're going to get hit from time yeah. to time, but, but, Every day I worked on not getting hit. Gotcha. And I'm grateful that they taught me that. So I'm very, when I look at boxing, I don't look at it like a caveman sport. It's very violent and, you know, things happen, but I look at it like an art to me. Like I'm trying to, you know, sort of, you know, think my way through this, this match and, and, and do what I need to do to you without you allow, allowing you to hit me. And so that's always how I've looked at it. Um, I think the physicality of it, I think I've always sort of been a tough kid and, you know, someone who has a, a, a heart of a warrior. So though it's not always fun and doesn't always feel good, I never really shied away from contact. And then, you know, when I think about my health, you know, and this is something you got to think about being in a sport like this, you know, I think about my family, like, man, Lord, I want to be good 10 years, 15, 20 years from now. I always felt like God would keep me and protect me as long as, I took care of myself and did the thing I was supposed to do during my career, but then I got out at the right time. Yeah. And that's why I ultimately retired when I did, because I could have gone on a couple more years. Yeah. Um, but I had studied the game and I'm and I'm seeing guys stay on for various reasons too long. And now you're no longer the champion where people respect you. Now you're sort of getting beat up by by younger, a younger generation because you just can't do it anymore. And I just didn't want that to be my testimony. So though it was hard retiring. 
man, I enjoyed it. I've, I've, I've been a pro for, I mean, amateur for 10 years, pro for 13 years. It's time to move on and do some other things with my life. Yeah. Take that competitiveness and that drive and, and use it for ministry now, use it for writing books, uh, creating projects like my documentary, and just having fun and raising my family. I love that. And Andre, what was your record when you walked away? Uh, 32 and 0. You never got beat. Knockout. You never got beat. Not as a pro, no. Nah. Man, live, Andre. That's unbelievable. Not as a pro, and I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, 16 knockouts. That's, I got to go back and watch yes, some sir. YouTube of you. That's amazing. Yeah. Talk to me about your wife. You've been married a while with your children and all. You met your wife yeah. early on, and, you know, I love that. I met this girl when I was 15. She was 16, and uh, it was love at first sight. Wow. You know, saw her, and I kind of locked eyes on her. I started to inquire about who she was, and and we've been together ever since. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, like when I, when I met her, all I had was a dream at that time. And I remember telling her, like, you know, I'm a, you know, Olympic hopeful and I'm going to go win a gold medal. She's like, oh, that's cool. You know, I, I play, I play uh, basketball. And I'm like, no, nah, like I, I'm really good. Like, I'm, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she just didn't get it. And then when she, we finally moved in together, she started to kind of see like, oh, this is, this is a thing. And man, I am grateful just having her, you know, helping to raise our kids. Uh, when I'm away at training camp, I don't have to worry about our family because I know she's, you know, giving them what they need physically, spiritually. And uh, man, she's just been, I'm just grateful for her, man. The, the wisdom that she has, she's a powerful woman of God. And being able to just have her walk alongside me throughout my life, uh, I'm not sure where I would be without her. So she doesn't get a lot of shine, you know, um, but I try to shout her out and, and pay homage to her and give her as much respect as possible because she deserves it. Yeah, I love that. Andre, maybe somebody's listening today and, and you know, they see your success. I mean, you're, you're a world champion. You won a gold medal and all. And I mean, it was hard. You had a lot of a lot of things you overcame. But, you know, maybe they see all that and they're where you were when you were 18 or 17, when you were kind of running. Maybe they're, I don't know, they have some difficulties. Maybe you could speak to them for a moment, just a little bit of encouragement. Man, I, I would say this, you know, I would say that life can be hard for various reasons. And I think sometimes when we think about fighting as people, we think about just, you know, it's barbaric or that's for people who are tough. But whether we realize it or not, we're all going to have to fight at some point in time. There are periods and times in our lives, whether you're younger, middle-aged, older, where you're going to have to stand your ground and you're going to have to push back against some things that are happening in life. And I don't know. Well, I guess I do. I, I, I tried to fight on my own at one point in time and I didn't do a good job. You know, my life was beginning to fall apart. I would encourage that young person or whoever it is that may be struggling to look up and have a conversation with God. Yeah. And I know sometimes it can seem like God is far off. And I know sometimes people have questions about the Bible and about God, but I've tested this thing and I know that it's true. And I know that he's alive and he's living. And oftentimes God is wanting to have that conversation. He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Yeah. Sometimes he's a conversation away and just telling him, I need you. I don't know what to do in this situation. I need some direction. Where do I go? How do I get out of this? What are my next steps? And God is faithful. If we draw to him with a true heart, he's faithful to respond. Now, he may not speak to you right there in that moment, but you watch. Things will begin to fall in place. You'll be, start to have thoughts and ideas, and you'll begin to navigate through your situation. But I would also encourage you, don't just look up just to get out of the situation. Desire a relationship. Yeah. Begin to try to find a good local church. You know, begin to get into your word and begin to just read it. You know, I think one thing that I learned even early on in my walk when I didn't really understand the Bible is I just opened it. And I said, speak to me. I don't understand. Yeah. 
And little by little by little, things started to make sense. And I started to get awakened like, whoa, I understood that. That made sense. And it began to feed my soul and it began to encourage me and strengthen me. So that's what I've tested. That's what I know has not only worked in the past, but has sustained me all these years. Look up and have a conversation with God because yeah. I think he's waiting on me. Yeah, that's so awesome. Andre Ward's my guest. Andre, you mentioned a while ago about your documentary. You have something coming out or is it in the works or what? Yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, it's actually came out before the book, several months before the book. It was on uh, Showtime. It's still out right now nice. called SOG, The Book of Ward. So it's the book we went a lot deeper, but the documentary was a great piece as well. A lot of visuals uh, to sort of go along with the storytelling. So uh, we did it, man. The doc is really good, too. Check that out. I love that. the book. That's, I love that. And the book is Killing the Image with Andre Ward. Andre, it's been great talking to you. You're a great minister, very inspiring. I love hearing your story. And, uh, man, we just wish you all the best and uh, praying for you. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Joel on Joel Osteen Radio. You can listen on demand anytime with the SXM app or at SiriusXM.com. To find out more, call 855-585-JOEL. That's 855-585-JOEL.